Welcome to Encountering Empowerment. I'm your host, Empowerment Coach Victoria Jocko, here to teach you how to reclaim your personal power so that you can feel like the bad bitch you are, using my proven formula. Personal agency is your birthright, and no matter where life has taken you, it's not too late to tap into it, and I'm here to help you do it. Hello, hello, my lovelies. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I am doing fantastic today. I have had a really good day so far. Um, I got breakfast at my favorite spot downtown, and I've just been spending the day enjoying my own company. I do that a lot now, actually, and I love it. I used to be the kind of person that couldn't stand being alone, but now I really value that time to myself. I don't even really think about it at all anymore, honestly. It's just the way my life is, or I guess the way I've set it up. I'm sure I could fill like every part of my day with noise and people and chaos, but I choose not to because that sounds terrible. (laughs) But it used to be my life. Or if it wasn't, like if my time wasn't filled up with all of that, I was miserable. I mean, I was miserable in it, but like I was real miserable and was like trying to figure out how to get back to all of the chaos. And I, you know, when I was alone, I just go into like a really depressive spiral and oftentimes with self-harm. Um, I used to do it pretty regularly, actually, and I'm using that term in like the traditional sense. Uh is there is there a traditional sense when you think of self harm that's what i'm that's what i was doing that's what i'm talking about but i also used to do other forms of self harm like eat until it hurt um drinking myself into a stupor trying to find someone to sleep with in order to dull the pain i was in i also had a really bad benzo addiction for a while um if you don't know what benzos are they're a category of pharmaceuticals They're anxiety medications that I was prescribed when I was 11 years old, guys. Not good. But anyway, I was just so incredibly lonely during that period of my life, and nothing would curb that emptiness. No matter how many people I had sex with or even just spent time with, no matter how much I drank or smoked weed or took pills, no matter how much I physically self-harmed, it just didn't get better. So that's what I want to talk with you about today. How I went from all of what I just mentioned to where I'm at now, where I actually enjoy my time alone. And it's not even a thought in my mind that I am alone. It, I, you know, choose to spend time with myself and I don't abuse substances or use people to escape myself. Now, if you would have asked me like 10 years ago if I thought I'd be here today talking with you about how to overcome the pervasiveness of loneliness, I probably would have thought you were insane. Like, that's how bad it was for me. I really did not think there was a way out. And if I'm being super honest, like, I didn't even think I'd be as old as I am now. I thought I was not going to live past 18. You know, whether it was like drugs or alcohol or my own actions, I... Didn't think I was going to be around for a very long time, but I am here. I'm 25 years old, living, breathing, thriving, and I want to share with you how I did that. So what is loneliness? Most of us think about it 
um, I think, as like the idea of being physically alone, right? Like we think that we just have a lack of people, a lack of people who care about us or a partner or something like that. But really, it's the result of chronic self-abandoning. I'm going to say that again. Loneliness is the result of chronic self-abandoning. Loneliness has less to do with the amount of people around us than it does with the depths of which we are accepting ourselves. Did y'all see that one coming? If you didn't, you should have. If you've been around long enough, it's a theme here. (laughs) But it's a theme because so much of our pain stems from our lack of radical self-acceptance. At least I think so, or what I've learned in my time as a human and as a coach. You know, it's from the conditioning that we've received to mold ourselves into what other people think we should or shouldn't be. And as cliche or coachy as it sounds, it's totally true. Like, I really think the antidote to loneliness isn't to fill our time or our lives with more people. It's to become okay with who we are and being in our own company. So how do we do that? A large part is learning to become okay with our feelings. That was a huge thing for me. I think I talked about it in the last episode, um, or maybe it was just on Instagram, I don't know, but it was really the first thing I started doing when I set out on working on myself, and it's something I still struggle with. I have this incredibly deeply ingrained belief that if I show my emotions, if I show people that I struggle or get sad or feel anxious or angry, that there is something profoundly wrong with me and ultimately no one is going to want to be around me. Even now, that's difficult to share with you because I don't want you to think I'm incapable of helping you change or that my value as a coach is now totally erased because God forbid you guys find out I'm human. (laughs) But that's the thing, like negative emotion is just a part of life. It's a part of being human. And it means absolutely nothing about our value as a human or a coach for that matter. I mean, it's what makes me so good at what I do because I've been through it. I am an expert at helping people accept their feelings because I had to learn how to do it and I am still learning deeper ways of accepting them. You know, I've gotten better at accepting my emotions over the years. That's why I can teach it. But that doesn't mean it's not something I still get anxious about or need to learn more about. You know, the things that we struggle with don't simply disappear once you learn some new skills or have some aha moments. Things may shift, but ultimately those beliefs are probably going to be there for a long time, if not the rest of our lives. It's just part of being human. And what it really comes down to is not letting those beliefs be in the driver's seat and having the skills to deal with those beliefs and our emotions. But that was a little bit of a tangent, so, (laughs) which is something that y'all are just going to learn more about. Y'all actually saw, if you uh, listened to the last one, I, you you guys saw some ADHD come out there. (laughs) It was great. Um, But anyway, in order to accept our feelings, we need to unpack the beliefs we have about them. As I mentioned before, I have some beliefs around what other people are going to think and do in response to me sharing my feelings. And this goes back to how my feelings were treated during my childhood. 
And I think this is where inner child work is huge because our inner child controls a lot of our emotions. And that is because um, it's when our core beliefs are formed. They're formed in childhood. So it makes the most sense that our inner child, the part of us that is almost like stuck in childhood, holds on to those beliefs. And when those beliefs get activated, we feel the weight of them as if we were children again. You know, what did you learn about your feelings? What are the kinds of things that were said or done to you when you were sad or angry or afraid? Those are the things that you internalized and kept as your core beliefs. And those are the things that are kind of being activated when you have any like real strong um, emotion come up, but also when it comes to loneliness. Uh, I'll get to why that is in just a few minutes. So, you know, for me, I was often told either directly or not that there was something wrong with me, that I was crazy, that my brain was defective, that I was always going to struggle and that there wouldn't be a way for me to get better. I just had to learn to manage, but I wouldn't be able to thrive. Now, there was always a part of me that rejected these beliefs There was a part of me that knew they weren't true and that what the doctors and my family were saying just was some was bullshit on some level. And I am like really grateful for that part of me because it's what led me to where I am today. And yet there was also another part of me that did believe them. So anytime I was sad or got angry, I would shame myself for it. I would resist experiencing the emotion because a part of me believed it was wrong to do so. Now, experiencing it also sucked and I was afraid of feeling bad. And I think that's another huge problem that many of us have is that we don't want to experience the weight of negative emotion. You know, we experience heartbreak or betrayal or something of the like, and we vow to never experience again, but we can't do that. It's impossible. And it's a disservice to ourselves, you know, to, we can't avoid our negative emotions. They're an integral part of being human and they serve a purpose. And without them, a lot of shit would go wrong. I mean, you've already experienced, I'm sure, um, how wrong it can go if you've ever suppressed your anger. Like what happened when you tried resisting your anger? What happened when you resisted the anxiety or fear that you felt? Like if you felt that something wasn't quite right, but you pushed down your anxiety and you did the thing anyway, what happened? Were your fears confirmed? Maybe not all the time, but I'm sure sometimes. And, you know, even if our emotions weren't there to help and protect us, I still think rejecting them isn't helpful because they are a part of who we are and our experience on this earth. And I wonder what would happen if you adopted the belief that there's nothing wrong with experiencing the feeling. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But what would happen if you leaned into the discomfort? If you got curious about it? And if you decided that you weren't going to try to run away from it? I don't know if you've noticed by now, but running away from it doesn't work. I really like to think about my emotions as if they were another person. How would that person feel if they were sharing something painful with you and you turned your back on them or shamed them or told them they're stupid for feeling that way? 
probably not good. And this is where I think loneliness really comes from. We build a wall between ourselves and ourselves. We build a wall between us and our feelings, the sensations in our body that make life so fucking cool. I mean, what would life actually be like if we didn't feel anything? You know, love, joy, thrill. These are all the feelings that we look forward to, that we seek out, that we prioritize in life. And I'm sure you've heard it all before, but in order for those feelings to hold any weight, we need something to compare them to. That doesn't mean we necessarily need to seek out pain unless that's your thing. Like, no shame. And honestly, I think some, I think more of us than we care to admit do like feeling pain or feeling the thrill of negative emotion because in a way it is thrilling. But anyway, um, you know, we don't have to seek those things out, right? Like consciously, but at the very least we can consciously choose to accept them when they happen. We can open our arms to ourselves and welcome our feelings like a hurt loved one and say, I've got you. You're safe with me. I'm in this experience with you. And I think that's another key aspect of loneliness is not realizing that we are people. You are a person that is capable of being together with yourself. You can go out to eat, to a movie, a concert, wherever with yourself. You can sit at home with yourself. You are a person. (laughs) Like, you don't necessarily need other people to do any of those things. Is it nice when you find other people to enjoy your time with? Of course. And we definitely need interpersonal connection to be happy, healthy humans. Humans are a social species. But human connection includes connecting with yourself because you are a human. What would happen if you started treating yourself like you're another person? What would you do or say to yourself? You know, when I learned to start allowing and accepting my emotions and treating myself like a human I cared for, I didn't feel a need to abuse drugs or alcohol or hurt myself or engage in meaningless sex. And honestly, just to celebrate myself a little bit here, I'm six years sober from benzos, over four years sober from alcohol, and over one year from weed. Um, You might not think weed is that big of a deal, but it was the last thing I was still using as a means of escaping myself, and it was just super destructive in my life. And I know that's not the experience for everyone with weed, um, and I have a lot of thoughts about that, (laughs) but it was mine, and I'm really happy that I don't do it anymore or any of the other drugs for that matter. And I also haven't self-harmed in over four years. And I think the last time I engaged in like destructive or meaningless sex was maybe like three years ago. That one was kind of trickier for me to realize because like I thought I was sexually liberated for a while, but like I hadn't unpacked all of the internalized misogyny I had. And once I did, I started engaging in sex in a whole different way on top of like coming to terms with my sexuality. Um, that was a big thing for me as well, but I digress another tangent. (laughs) (sighs) My friend, chronic loneliness is only an issue when you are trying to escape yourself, whether it's your emotions or past decisions or your wants and needs. I wonder what would happen if you leaned into the discomfort and got curious, what are you making it mean about you? 
What do you think in response to your feelings? What do you think about your decisions, both past and present? What do you believe about your wants and needs? Do you think they're okay to have, that they're valid? If not, that's where your work is. If you feel sad and you tell yourself you shouldn't be, that is where your work is. If you feel embarrassed or ashamed about a decision you made or want to make, that's where your work is. You know, what would happen if you told yourself it's okay? It's okay to want the thing. It's okay to feel sad or angry. It's okay to make the decision despite knowing other people might be upset with you about it. That's like a whole other issue, which we will definitely talk about in another episode. But really, like, what if it's just okay to have the experience that you're currently having, to want the things that you currently want? What would happen if you decided to be together with yourself? What would happen if you decided to face your pain head on? To not treat it like some scary monster that should be locked away in a castle somewhere. Your feelings are not Queen Fiona. (laughs) This is not a joking matter, Victoria. Stop. (laughs) But what would happen if you treated your needs, your desires, and decisions the same way? As valid and acceptable and something that you can and should go after. Not these scary monsters to be locked away somewhere. When you practice being together with yourself, accepting yourself, being kind to yourself, treating yourself as if you were a person you care for, there isn't much room for loneliness to exist. How can it when you are believing and acting as though you are enough? You are enough. You are perfect exactly the way you are in all of your glory and your shit. I think that's the key there. We don't want to admit (laughs) that we have shit. (laughs) But the things that you think are wrong or bad about you are perfectly okay. Because all of us have them. It's a part of being human. Now it's just up to you to make the decision that it is okay to be you. All of you. So go do it. It's as simple as that, deciding right here and now that you're not going to continue to reject or abandon yourself. Will it be as easy in practice? No. But the decision makes the biggest difference. It's a commitment to yourself, moving forward, something that you can remember and reflect back on when you do find yourself struggling. All right. That is all I have for you today, my friends. You know, I didn't intend on making this episode about loneliness today. I was going to talk about body image, but this is just what flowed out of me. And what a perfect example for today's episode. I wanted and intended to do something completely different, and yet I honored what came out of my brain. And it was great, if I do say so myself. (laughs) You know, this is such a key aspect of empowerment. Honoring what is, accepting what is. That's why acceptance is a part of my process. So if you want more of that, I want to invite you to come to my Empower Your Body Image webinar, 
We're going to have a little Zoom party and it's going to be so fun. I'll be sharing with you how to become a more empowered person in general, but specifically how you can feel empowered about the way you view your body. Now, that is so important, especially for those of us socialized as women, because our self-worth is just so deeply tied to our body image. It is fucking ridiculous. I will certainly be doing an episode on that soon. But if you want to get in on it, there is a link in the show notes. So I hope to see you there. Um, But thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please give me your feedback. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Message me wherever you follow me. If you don't follow me, you should. (laughs) I will leave that in the show notes as well. Um, But I will see you next time, beautiful humans. Bye. If you are ready to finally like yourself and free yourself from the expectations of others, I want to invite you to come work with me. I'll teach you exactly how to step into your power so that you can feel at home in your body and who you are as a person. Just head to the link in the show notes to start. I'll see you there.